0: Hi, I'm David Freudberg, the host of Humankind. People sometimes ask about the big picture of our work. Why do we present these programs? The answer is we're trying to cultivate a more cohesive sense of community, and our vision of community is based on personal ideals and values, such as compassion, generosity, equality, and civility. We aim to serve the large and growing audience of people who seek a positive alternative to media negativity and exploitation. And we strive to shed light on solutions, not just problems. If you resonate with this vision, you can support us at humanmedia.org and click How You Can Help at the top of our homepage. Thank you. Humankind is produced in association with WGBH Boston and supported by the Humankind Program Fund and a grant from the Henry Luce Foundation.
1: You know, when it's cold outside, it's, uh, you know, you don't want your kid being out there with their hands freezing, and these kids will come to school with no gloves and hats. I mean, unbelievable. You know, like, I I have uh, two kids, and I can't imagine them being outside standing at a bus stop without these basic needs. It's really upsetting.
0: The problems of homeless children who attend public school and how one family reached out to help them. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. A couple of years ago, Kelsey King, a Bright High School student, the John D. O'Brien School of Mathematics and Science in Boston became sensitive to the clothes some of her fellow students would wear at school, but not in the usual sense of peer pressure to dress in the latest fashions.
2: Okay, I have like this nice sweater on, and I see my friend who doesn't have as great clothes as I do, like she would wear the same thing over and over again, and it would look worn down, it would look a little torn, and it didn't like have the best quality. So then when I saw that, I just realized that, like, it needs, they need help, and, like, I just wanted to address that help.
0: The problem Kelsey was tuning into is underprivileged kids who not only can't afford good clothes, but whose families are actually homeless. About 1.5 million American young people fall into this group. It's a population that has doubled since before the Great Recession, when the housing market collapsed and families already living on the edge were driven from their homes. Mary William is a social worker who directs the Homeless Education Resource Network for the Boston Public Schools.
3: The families that I work with, the children are primarily in shelters. Families, like I do a lot of family work, and um, if they're not in shelters they're in hotels. Like, we place a lot of children in, in hotels also.
0: And we're not talking about four-star hotels no. like the Ritz. Like,
3: no, we're not. The Super 8, and, you know, I right now, I'm working with um, one hotel that um, only houses families who are homeless. We have hundreds of, um, like, children living in that particular facility.
0: The very real challenges for homeless youth were documented in interviews for this video by the Alliance for Excellent Education. While we were at school, my parents were, like, literally thrown out of the home, and we lost everything that we had. Like, the only thing we had was, like, the clothes on our backs, and that was it. We stayed in hotels a lot. It was like a second home to us. We stayed there um, usually sometimes months at a time living there, and when we couldn't pay the bills anymore... For that motel, we try to move on to another. We usually try to find a hotel. Um, my dad would spend what little money he had on the place. You know, you don't have to be very old to understand that it's that's not the way it's supposed to be. You know, not knowing where you're going to sleep the next day, not knowing what you're going to eat for dinner,
3: not having a place to call my own, not knowing if I was going there at the end of the night was very hard when staying with other people also not having any belongings when you live with other people say you get a call while you're at school and they say well you can't come back here but all your stuff is there your stuff is left there
0: i didn't want anyone to know at all you know and it's kind of hard to show you show up to school like on a cold day just as cold as it is now outside but your clothes are still wet on your back because you had to hand wash them the night before you know so you're freezing and people are like wondering why So what do we know about the circumstances that caused these children to be homeless?
3: A lot of them is really being poor.
0: Social worker Mary William.
3: It's a family who's just really working, making minimum wage and having to pay market rent. They're always falling behind on something because they pretty much have to prioritize their responsibilities and very often, families um, make the decision to to not pay the rent because it's like a monthly thing, and that's really that's the long that's the bill that's like maybe the biggest chunk of money. And a lot of people they opted not opt not to pay the rent, or all of it. Or
0: they prioritize what over food, the rent?
3: Food, um, transportation. All the other necessities, like, you know, over the rent.
0: How much is substance abuse a factor for this population?
3: Some, not, not, not a whole lot. It's just really they're basically poor. These families are very poor, and they have poor management skills. They don't know how to manage their budgets. They, you know, some of them, again, they, they're products of, um, you know, poverty and all the issues that complicates being poor.
0: It's hard to get a handle on exactly how many school children are homeless. For one thing, these kids bounce around among schools and temporary homes, sometimes in different school districts, all of which can be profoundly destabilizing for children. The current estimate of homeless students in Boston is between two and 3,000.
3: It's really an undercount, and people do not, the kids do not um, identify.
0: Why don't the kids identify?
3: Be- because a lot of, especially the high schoolers, they don't identify because it's really stigma. They don't want to, it's, it's stigmatizing.
0: They're embarrassed to, they're embarrassed to in, admit that they're homeless. Uh-huh.
3: They're embarrassed. And um, even um, the families who identify as homeless, um, they will disclose to me and tell me that they don't want the school principals to know for fear that it will damage their children's reputation.
0: So there's there's, there's a food. tremendous shame and shame yes. are these kids facing food insecurity?
3: Yes, food insecurity Um, especially um, the families who live in the hotel. Do these the shelters are much better, but those who live in the hotels they only have a very small microwave in their rooms and it's really
0: hard to prepare Very meals.
3: very hard to prepare um, food there.
0: So if, if these kids make it to school, will they have had dinner the night before?
3: Maybe not. Their main meal is in the school, most of them.
0: And is that breakfast and lunch?
3: Breakfast and lunch for the Boston Public Schools, yes. And that's a good thing that we're doing to give them.
0: How does an unreliable housing situation affect a student's academic performance?
3: A lot. A um, lot. The shelters, again, it's really just a roof over their heads, a big room that will usually that will accompany at least three, four people and doing homework and and all that and definitely it hinders them tremendously.
0: So so it's hard for them just to complete just the to homework complete, assignments?
3: Complete their homework assignments. It's it's just getting enough sleep to to be able to be ready and be on time, and be ready to learn, and because there are lots of issues going on at the shelters at nights. And um, like what? Like the last year when I had my summer program, um, one of my students came and they lived in a shelter, and they witnessed that night that, to the mother and somebody else, was involved in a fight, and there was it was a big fight, and um, when the child came back to camp for the for the for the, for, the, for a whole week
2: to
0: camp
3: yeah because we do have a, a summer camp that in, in the month of july for homeless kids for the homeless kids and the, the, she could not concentrate and she, she i had to find one of my students to be to shadow her until you know she was able to to um, address the issues and be able to refocus herself so there are lots of things that go on at the shelters um, especially at nights and um, the children are exposed to a lot of things, and um, it's very hard sometimes to, to get them to focus back on school and everyday things, things that are going on around them.
0: Kelsey King, the student we heard earlier who's concerned about her struggling fellow students, Resides in a stable home with her mother and father in Hyde Park, a diverse neighborhood of Boston. She's currently a senior doing well in school, taking courses like advanced placement calculus, environmental science, and Mandarin Chinese language. And when Kelsey started to focus on the needs of kids from poor families, she launched a clothing drive to help
2: I had like boxes that my mom would bring in and what i would do is i would take a box i'd wrap it i would slit a hole in it put my logo on it and say clothing drive i would announce make announcements in every morning for like the time that i was doing the clothing drive saying please donate clothes if you can or if you need clothes come talk to kelsey so the announcement was for people who could help and for people who needed help so the box got filled up. And I feel like the box is mainly filled up by the teachers because they know that it was a hard time for the, st- the hard times that the students are going through. And I love the fact that teachers would be also talking about me and saying, oh, yeah, don't forget, there's a clothing drive. Don't forget, go to the box in the office.
0: Kelsey's mom, Carlotta King, a hardworking accountant at a nearby hospital, basically surrendered her living and dining rooms at one point to the donated bags of about 1,200 pieces of clothing that were waiting to be sorted. Carlotta had a rough patch in her own youth and feels for the students her daughter is reaching out to today.
1: They see their classmates with the latest sneakers, the latest sweaters, and they don't have that, you know, so it's hard, you know, and Things like that mean so much um, to kids. I'll give you an example. Um, When we were handing out things, there was this mom that was gathering stuff for her kids. And at first I was like, she had like a handful of stuff. And I was really annoyed because I'm like, you know, leave something for somebody else. And why are you taking so much? And she came to me and, you know, almost like with tears in her eyes, she was Muslim. She was like, you don't know how much this means to me. She told me she had, like, four or five kids and, you know, how much the coats and stuff is helping out. And in that sense, I understood. But at first, when I saw it, I'm like, how many gloves are you going to take? How many coats are you going to take? So they were really, really grateful um, for everything that they received. You know, it was it, if you were there, it, it, it was just, it was so overwhelming. Like, I was crying the whole time <laughs> I was there because it was impacting so many people that you saw. It was a really, really great feeling.
0: But meeting the needs of these families has become something of an uphill battle. According to federal data, student homelessness nationwide has risen steadily since 2009, even as parts of the economy started to recover from the recession. And there's evidence that young families with young children are especially vulnerable and may be the last to regain lost ground.
1: Well, some of them are on assistant, they're on welfare, and the money that they receive and the food stamp they receive is not enough. Um, you know, they have to balance if they have five kids, you know, who's going to get what and in what sense. And sometimes, you know, maybe the three oldest or the three youngest get gloves and the two- um, two of them don't get it, like in this lady's case, you know. So it's like it's a different situation. I know some of them have parents that are in drugs, you know, um, and they're not able to provide for them. And, you know, so it's, it's a lot of different situation that makes it uh, difficult for these kids to have the things that they need, which is basic. Like, you you know, when it's cold outside, it's uh, a certain degree outside. You you know you don't want your kid being out there with their hands freezing, and these kids will come to school with no gloves and hats. I mean, Unbelievable. You know like I, I have two kids and I can't imagine them being outside standing at a bus stop without these basic needs but it's stuff that they can't provide for their kids you know and it's really it's really it's really upsetting <laughs> And I know a lot of the teachers and stuff like that, they help with food if a kid said they're hungry. I don't know how far that go and the quantity of it, but I know um, a lot of the kids there, the teacher there teachers there are really close to the kids and if there's something that they need they provide it for them, you know. The teachers do. The teachers do a lot of them buy them food and they'll come there and you'll see them eating pizza and stuff like that. And some of the kids you can tell that they're in need, because they're grabbing three or four slices. Some of the kids, it's not so obvious, because, you know, this one kid kept his coat on all the time. You don't know what shirt he had on, you know, what he was wearing from day to day. So there's different ways that they disguise, you know, their needs and stuff. And the school, um, at first, wasn't really forthcoming with a lot of the information, because the guidance counselor wanted to protect the kids. So they, um, Kelsey wanted to hand out the donations to the kids personally and let them know like listen if there's a need for socks let me know if there's a need for jeans let me know but because of the privacy issue and some of the kids being embarrassed and stuff like that the guidance counselor dealt with the kids and will come back to Kelsey and say well listen you know this kid need a pair of jeans are you able to provide that and stuff like that.
0: We're examining the problems of homeless youth who attend public schools, a population on the rise. In a moment, we'll hear more from high school student Kelsey King, describing her unusual approach to serving people in need. You're listening to Humankind. I'm David Freudberg. To learn more and to obtain an audio download or CD of this segment on homeless students, please visit humanmedia.org. Kelsey King, the senior at Boston's O'Brien High School, the clothing drive she initiated has now spread to other schools.
2: The way I think is, like, I try to put myself in my friend's shoes or other people's shoes that I know don't have a lot. And or in when, some
0: cases, you you provide shoes to your friends.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I put them, like, I put them in my case, and I'm like... If I saw someone who had, like, all these great things, like, I know, like, my mom said that some people may see it as, like, oh, she has so much, like, oh, I don't have a lot. And, oh, she's she's doing so well off. And, like, they won't, like, see me as someone that they can rely on depend on. And they'll only see me as, like, another person that's just, like, wealthy or doing well off, and they they can't communicate or talk to me, too. And I feel like in a... So you
0: don't want to feel as if they might regard you as being above them?
2: Yeah, Definitely. Like, I don't want them to feel like I'm above them, that they can't come and talk to me, that they can't say something to me and express how they're doing. And I want to be able to really understand them, in a sense. That's why I also... Mm-hmm relate to them and that's why like I feel like I don't really like shop like my mom does or like get all these new things because like okay I think when I go in a store I can get these new things but then how will I be like able to relate to my friends when they say oh man I couldn't get these new Jordans or like oh I really wanted them or like how I'm wearing these same things again like I just want to be able to be like oh yeah I know you feel like be able to connect with them more personally and be able to feel what they feel in a way.
0: And I'd like to point out that this is a middle class home, very lovely and very, very well maintained, but would not be mistaken for a mansion. No. (laughs) So while you are comfortable, you're not, you know, in the one percent, but you nevertheless feel like you have enough or you have more than you need?
2: I do feel like I have more than I need, like... Even though like I know this is not a mansion but to me like I've always viewed this as a mansion especially when I see like my other friends home. Like some one time I know that I went to visit one of my friends home and like literally I just went in and there was the kitchen, her room, she had like a brother also in her room with her and it was like it was just a small little space and I'm like if they went to my house they would really think it's a mansion. like oh my goodness you got all this space and you can do all these different things and oh you don't even have to worry about your neighbors making noise upstairs or someone downstairs complaining about you like just thinking about that like makes me feel like I am living in a mansion and like, like I am living a life that's way more than I should ever be living than compared to my other friends.
0: A lot of kids get caught up in um, fashion trends. I think that's kind of universal among teenagers, and come to think of it, just about everybody.
2: I see my friends, like one of my friends, I remember, he had, like, shoes that were, like, lighting up. Every time he walked, they changed color and stuff like that, and, like, everyone's like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. So, like, it really is important in the school, like, People will wear the latest trends and be like, oh, I got these new Jordans or like, oh, I got this like Louis Vuitton purse and stuff like that. Like they'll be like wearing things and using different trends just because like they see a celebrity wear and stuff like that.
0: So why do you not follow that?
2: I don't follow it because I feel like it's just broadcasting that everything that I have and like it's just like showing off in a way and like in a negative sense like oh my friends will see me like oh look at her she's wearing that again or like she's wearing these new things really like she just got this and like yeah like I don't want them to see me in like a negative light and like think of me as someone that's like above them I just want to be like like one of them you know
0: so you're not into conspicuous consumption
2: no I'm not (laughs) (laughs) I'd
0: like to ask you to reflect a little bit and tell me what you may have learned from doing all this.
2: From this, I really like learned there really was like some major problems and things that like weren't made clear to me. Like I feel like beforehand, I had like a clouded judgment. Like I felt like everyone basically had like a similar lifestyle like me, and that things were going great for them. And then when I started the clothing drive, and then when I started talking to my friends and asking me for things, I started to see like things are not as great as they seem. That people are like so embarrassed sometimes or people just want to live a certain lifestyle and want you to see them in such a great light that they'll hide the things that they don't want other people to see and that they'll hide like the fact that they're struggling and that they're having a hard time and it really just made me aware that everyone's basically struggling and that the people who have the biggest smile or looks like they're having the best time of their lives are the ones that are like having the most trouble and the ones that need my help rather than, like, looking at them and see, like, how they're putting on a front sometimes, to, like, really look deep into them and see really what's going on.
0: Do you have a spiritual life?
2: Yeah, I do. I um, go to church on um, Saturdays. I'm a seven-day Adventist. I don't wear, like, jewelry or the, I don't wear makeup, and I didn't pierce my ears and different things like that because, like, you know, you're beautiful as you are. You don't need, like, accessories and different things like that in order to um, show how beautiful you are to people.
0: And would a philosophy like that be unusual among your peers?
2: Oh yeah, it's very unusual. Like people, that's another thing. Like people look at me, and then like I'm blessed in a sense where I have clear skin. But people will like be like, "Oh, what foundation do you use?" Or like they'll look at me and be like, "Oh, your skin's so nice." I'm like, I don't, I don't do anything. Like I don't add foundation. I don't like put anything on my eyebrows. I don't curl my. Um, eyebrow, I mean my eyelashes or anything like that. Like I don't do any of those things because I feel like it just takes away from you and it takes away from how you look and like you said it like it's literally like you're putting like a mask on for people and showing them okay look this is not who I really look like but I just want you to see that this is like what I want to look like.
0: Nancy King's efforts to help homeless youth were inspired by interactions with needy peers at school. What she didn't find out until recently was that years ago, her mother, Carlotta, was homeless herself for a period of eight months.
1: Me and my mom really didn't get along, and she kind of uh, told me that I had to go. And at the time, um, it was just me and her here, and I didn't have any aunts or uncles to go um, to, so um, I was placed in a shelter. You were how old? I was 19, and I was pregnant at the time with Kelsey, and I was placed in a shelter. I was going to school at Newberry um, full-time, and I had to come home to, like, this really tiny room and share a space with strangers. Some of them were very violent with their other uh, spouse and stuff like that. Like, I saw, like, a lot of things that I shouldn't have seen. Um, we had chores that we had to do even though we were pregnant and whatever. So it was really difficult, but, um, at the same time, it taught me a lot about myself because, uh, before that, um, my mom was a nurse and I used to help her with my little brothers and sisters and she was never really there cause she was always studying. So a lot of my friends would come over and we'll have like a good time partying and doing whatever. And when I became displaced, nobody was around. I would call and be like, I'm hungry. Uh, the shelter cooked cook pork. I don't eat pork. Can somebody bring me some food? And nobody showed up, so it really taught me about who my friends were, and it really taught me to be self-sufficient, and it really taught me to rely on myself. You know, so it was it was it was bad in a way of where I was, but it was good because it taught me a lot of life lessons that made me who I am today.
0: How did you transition out of that to a situation where you have a lovely home now?
1: So um, I was with my husband um, ever since I was sixteen, and uh, when I was displaced, of course, you were
0: married at sixteen. No, no,
1: no. I was um, we were high school sweethearts. I got married at. I got married at 20 bought this home at 21.
0: You bought a home at 21?
1: 21. Yeah, I did.
0: You went from homeless at 19 to a home buyer at 21?
1: 21. I was very determined. Did you hit
0: the jackpot?
1: No way. I actually did 100% loan. So uh, let's say the house was 250. I took out 250 from the bank. So we didn't have any money to put down or anything like that. And uh, we just went full on in.
0: Back then, before mortgage procedures were tightened following the economic meltdown, it was not uncommon for lenders to gamble on an unlikely applicant. Carlotta and her husband, who today works as a phone company installer, were able to obtain a mortgage that required no money down. 16 years later, they remain in that home. It has taken hard work.
1: After I was uh, displaced, they put you um, in in an apartment And it was very dangerous like there were shootings and stuff all the time and i was very nervous being around there so it really motivated me to be in my own space and to do better for myself so when i was there i saved and uh, i was able to get my home
0: this this home yes been a good area for you
1: awesome area i have awesome neighbors i have a family here that i never really had before so i love it
0: i'm definitely seeing parallels between mother and daughter here great personal strength and focus and determination for sure. and um, probably not going to let a lot of things uh, stand in your way.
1: No, yeah. I'm just like so proud of her and, and everything that she's accomplished because if you've seen, like I wish I had videotaped when she picked things up and just all the work and just her going to track practice and being able to go to her recital and different things and coming home and still work on this, like it was just really, really awesome that she chose to do this as many times as she did.
0: So Carlotta, what's it like for you? having gone through that difficult period some years ago, and now participating in a process that helps others who are in the same boat you were in?
1: Well, it's very rewarding, first of all, like um, when I see the gratitude of people and how pleased they are with just getting a pair of gloves or something that we might take for granted that we have access to. Like, I have, like, about six or seven pair of gloves that I can just choose to wear whichever one with an outfit. And you see somebody that's glad for a black pair of gloves or whatever, it's like it just made you, like, sit back and, and say, wow, you know, like, you, you don't realize how blessed you are sometimes. And you, you may take certain things for granted that you have four coats that so you get to choose from. When you're going out the door, you can pick out a green or red, you know. So it, it really opened my eyes to what's important and it really let me see um, how in need people were especially in her school like I said I, I wasn't aware of, I, I actually am an alumni of that school and when I was there I'm sure there was problems and issues like that that could have been addressed and I never really looked into it you know so I was like blinded to that I was just trying to finish school and do what I needed to do for myself like more most uh, teenage kids they just want to finish high school and get on with their life you know.
0: Carlotta King, along with her daughter Kelsey King, committed to helping homeless families. Social worker Mary William.
3: We go to 10 shelters and we provide um, some guidance around tutoring for the kids and some homework help. And we also do some workshops for the parents to help them navigate schools and to and, and to, um really help them as much as, as, much as we can to, to give them resources, to point them. Right now we have a family is at the shelter, and her son got um, into the Boston Latin School for next year.
0: Which is the top-ranked academic school yes. in Boston. Yes,
3: and then um, you know um, we're trying to figure out what kinds of resources we could have for her. But she's re- currently at the shelter and very disenfranchised, but somehow her son made it to be accepted at Boston Latin.
0: Listening to Humankind, I'm David Freudberg. Studio recording by Doug Sugertz. Editorial assistance from Ken Rogers, Kathy Graham, Mark Kilstein, and David Cruz. Webmaster, Brian K. Johnson. Special thanks to Tony Buck. Our program is presented by Human Media in association with Connie Goldman Productions. Program development provided by Shart Media.
3: To purchase a CD copy of this program, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. That's 1-800-5-L-I-S-T-E-N. Or visit our website, where you can also obtain an audio download of this and our other programs and can hear selected episodes free. You can access free written materials related to this program as well. Our web address is humanmedia.org. Again, if you'd like to purchase a CD copy of Humankind by phone, please call 1-800-5-LISTEN. And our web address is humanmedia.org.
0: This segment, Homeless Students, is Humankind program number 242.
3: The executive producer is David
2: Freudberg. This is Humankind.